Chapter Fifteen of The Wild Irishman by Thomas William Hodgson, T. W. H. Crossland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Brandon. Chapter Fifteen More Wit and Humor. The real truth about Irish humor, as a thing to itself and apart, is that it is based either on ignorance or on a certain slowness of mind. The Dublin car driver who on being told by a constable that his name was obliterated from his car replied ah me name's not obliterated it's o'grady no doubt achieved what will pass among the average for humour all the same he did not know that he was saying anything good and his mot if mot one may call it was the direct outcome of a profound ignorance of the english language the books of irish humour abound with instances of this form of humoursomeness you are not opaque are you sarcastically asked one irishman of another who was standing in front of him at the theatre indeed i'm not replied the other it's o'brien that i am clearly one might manufacture this kind of humour ad infinitum the chinese are said to consider it a great joke if a man should fall down and break his arm and i have seen englishmen laughing at a man who has been unfortunate enough to have his hat blown off in a high wind but the irish do not laugh at these things even the native bull of which they are so proud fails to tickle them the irishman says his bull solemnly and unconsciously and the englishman does the laughing in essence the irish bull is really a blunder not all with its usual frankness defines a bull as a ludicrous inconsistency or blunder in speech children and irishmen are always making them if it please the court quoth an irish attorney if i am wrong in this i have another pint which is equally conclusive an irish reporter giving an account of a burglary remarked after a fruitless search all the money was recovered except one pair of boots a dublin clerk on being asked why he was a quarter of an hour late at the office made answer the tram-car i came by was full so i had to walk this is the seventh night you've come home in the morning observed an irish lady to her spouse the next time you go out you'll stay at home and open the door for yourself the following advertisement is said to have appeared in a dublin newspaper whereas john hull has fraudulently taken away several articles of wearing apparel without my knowledge this is to inform him that if he does not forthwith return the same his name shall be made public an irishman who accidentally came across another irishman who had failed to meet him after a challenge addressed him in these words well sir i met you this morning and you did not turn up however I am determined to meet you tomorrow morning, whether you come or not. Drunk, said a man, speaking of his neighbor. He was that drunk that he made ten halves of every word. A man who was employed as a hod carrier was told that he must always carry up fourteen bricks in his hod. One morning the supply of bricks ran short, and the man could find but thirteen to put in his hod. In answer to a loud yell from the street, one of the masons on top of the scaffolding called out, What do you want? Troll me down one brick, bawled Pat, pointing to his hod, 
to make me number good of course the great and abiding glory of ireland in the way of bull-makers was the never-to-be-forgotten sir boyle roach this worthy knight once charged a political opponent with being an enemy to both kingdoms who wishes to diminish the brotherly affection of the two sister countries he also said that a man differs from a bird in not being able to be in two places at once and that the irish people were living from hand to mouth like the birds of the air a petition of the citizens of belfast in favor of catholic emancipation he stigmatized as an airy fabric based upon a sandy foundation and he expressed his willingness to give up not only a part but if necessary even the whole of our constitution to preserve the remainder in one of his most famous speeches there occurs the appended passage mr speaker if we once permitted the villainous french masons to meddle with the buttresses and walls of our ancient constitution they would never stop nor stay sir until they brought the foundation stones tumbling down about the ears of the nation if these gallican villains should invade us tis on that table maybe those honourable members might see their own destinies lying in heaps atop of one another here perhaps sir the murderous crew would break in and cut us to pieces and throw our bleeding heads upon that table to stare us in the face is your father alive yet inquired one o'brien of one mcgorry no replied mcgorry solemnly not yet a beggar called at a house and said for the love of heaven mom give me a crust of bread for i'm so thirsty i don't know where i'll sleep to-night all of which is very funny and as who should say very quaint but is it humour it provokes a smile certainly yet it points to simplicity rather than subtlety in the irish character indeed the absolute truth about the bull is that it is the child of a plentiful lack of wit a nice derangement of epitaphs an opening of one's mouth and putting of one's foot in it may provoke mirth in other people but it does not prove one to be either witty or merry it is satisfactory to know that according to the latest observations the fine art of bull-making is going out of fashion among irishmen the irish were the inventors of the bull they brought it to its greatest perfection they made it redound to their credit as a witty nation and one cannot deny their right to cease from its manufacture if they see fit in the house of commons a bull is nowadays seldom perpetrated whether consciously or unconsciously at any rate by the irish party irish members of parliament have grown too wary to be caught bullying they walk delicately in english-cut frock-coats they rather pride themselves on their ability to keep down the brogue and at the bare mention of the word bull they are prone to shiver there is one feature of irish wit and humour which is worthy of admiration and imitation it is a negative feature truly but an excellent one irishmen do not seem capable of that last infirmary of the doting mind the pun to play effectively upon words is of course an art in itself and kept within bounds it is an amusing art 
but the man who drops out of art into sheer mechanism which is what has happened to the average punster cannot be considered worthy of the respect of his fellows the irish as i have said do not appear to have descended to these depths they may be a worn-out a weary a dull-witted and exhausted and a brooding and melancholy people but they are not punsters herein they have a distinct advantage over the english among whom the pun appears to obtain wider and wider currency it is a lamentable fact that there are judges on the english bench who never let slip an opportunity for punning it makes juries and the gallery guffaw and it gets a judge the reputation of being a wit and the possessor of those minor literary graces which are supposed to be included in the judicial prerogative judges are commonly understood to be irremovable but i think that after their third pun retirement should be the only course for them the man who makes a pun insults the intellect of his auditors and commits a gross outrage upon the language let all punsters whether in high or low places take heed that they are vulgar and vicious persons and neither witty nor wise a thousand honest bulls are less to be deprecated than the weeniest pun that was ever let loose before leaving this part of our subject it is perhaps desirable that we should remember that two of the very wittiest men of our time have come to us from ireland one of them was the late mr oscar wilde and the other is mr george bernard shaw of oscar wilde excepting that in his prime he was a wit of the first water i shall say nothing mr george bernard shaw however is another story as a reformer and a serious writer i make small account of him on the other hand as a wit he is a portent he has been an unconscionable time coming into his own but in america at any rate people are beginning by childlike dim degrees to perceive that he has brilliance if he had published the substance of his printed work in any other form but that of plays he might have been a recognized and prosperous humorist long ago the people who supply the wit and humor of the day may be set down without injustice for a sorry and indifferent company bernand payne emmanuel jerome lucas sims hickory wood and barry these are some of the names of them and what do they stand for parts of punch eliza three men in a boat the inside completor britannia ware blood and knives mustard and cress or the fat man's sabbath morning the white cat or cooper's entire peter pan or the old man's crutch heaven save us and keep us from wishing that this squad of awkward whittlings had never been born mr george bernard shaw in his sole person an irishman though he be is worth a wilderness of them some day we shall find it out and in that good hour ireland will be able to boast that one of her sons was nearly as great nearly as humorous and nearly as popular as say mr mark twain end of chapter fifteen recording by john brandon